Hey guys, this is Sarah Beth, and you are listening to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Simply 127 Podcast. Today we are continuing our conversation about how we are motivated by the gospel and how the gospel is central to the work that we do at 127 Worldwide. Joining us on the show today is Ashok Nachnani. Ashok is a husband, a father, a foster dad, a member of the 127 Worldwide Board of Directors, and I really just think you're going to love getting to know him and hearing more about his story. So thanks for coming on the show today, Ashok. It really is a privilege. Thanks, Sarah Beth. Yeah, and so we're just going to jump right in. I would love for you just to introduce yourself um, to our audience, a little bit about your testimony, your family, and maybe how God first stirred your heart to care for the vulnerable. Okay. Yeah. So my name's Ashok Nachnani. If you were to see me, you wouldn't necessarily guess that was my name. Um, I remember meeting someone in Alabama and telling him for business, telling him my name and said, Hey, Tommy, it's Ashok Nachnani. He looked at me and he said, um, he said, well, one place got good barbecue and the other one doesn't. So my dad's from India, my mom's from Carolina. Um, <laughs> my dad said, well, one place has good chapatis and the other one doesn't. That's also true. But uh, my, um, I'm married, married for 20 years to Michelle. Uh, 20 we years. Have 20 years, yeah. And we have uh, three kids, uh, knowing me, 17, Luke, 15 at this recording, and then uh, Neela, who's 13. And then we're fostering a little guy who we hope to adopt. Who's one and a half? <laughs> it's a pretty big jump from thirteen to one and a half. <laughs> we're kind of yeah. It feels like we're starting over. We're we're on that uh, old parent path. Yeah. Well, that leads me to an- another question: Is what are some tangible ways that your family is living out James one twenty seven currently, or you or your family? So there's one way: fostering. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think. Um, well, I would say yeah. It, the Lord's kind of been working on us for a number of years. So I don't know if you remember that, that earthquake in Haiti, uh, years ago, I don't know, eight, 10 years ago. And I think Michelle and I looked at each other and we're like, why don't we adopt? There's a lot of, a lot of kids who need a home. So we, we, that was probably when we first, uh, started thinking more intentionally about, uh, the vulnerable kind of in the context we're talking today. Um, we looked into adopting from India we pursued it. We spent a lot of money towards it. And then India shut down on us. And then we ended up going down the foster care path. Um, so the ways we, we live it out, I would say one is, uh, we pray. There's a whole new category of people and ministries that we pray for today than we did yeah. maybe five, 10 years ago. Um, our, our, my old pastor, Mark Dever always said only, only, um, only give to ministries that you're going to pray for. So, uh, so we give as well. Uh, we give to 127 after our tithe. We give to 127, a few other ministries as well. Uh, we're fostering. We've we've had a couple of long-term placements and then a few short-term placements. And uh, and then I think just as a, a member of a church, you're always looking out for widows for those who are maybe on, on the outskirts a little bit ways that you, you know, just, just the others. Um, so those are some ways. I feel like our church is really good about continuing to remind us about the plight of the vulnerable through teaching and just looking around the child care area of the church. It's that's where we're most diverse. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Think so yeah, that was one of the things that first jumped out at me here is that you actually didn't know 
which kids went with which families. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. Know? That's, Which is, I think, good. pretty awesome. Yeah, I think yeah. that's how it's going to be. Um, and, you know, in heaven, we're all going to be one family. So, Amen. Amen. <laughs> I wanted you to give a little more background on your involvement with 127 Worldwide. I would love for you to talk about taking your oldest daughter to Kenya and how God used that to shape your perspective and to grow your faith. Well, I feel like I answered the question badly before because I also serve on the board of 127. I mean, that is an important way you're tangibly living I out guess James 127. Kind of counts, yeah. Hopefully, time and talent. Um, yeah. So, so you you graciously invited me to serve on the board uh, a little over four years ago, and uh, at the time, you know, I I read the mission. You told me the mission of 127. And that was intriguing enough that I was thinking, well, what could I give? Well, I'm, I'm in business. So I work for a big company. I'm in strategic planning and some other stuff. So I was thinking, well, I could give in that way to this and hopefully help in some way. And, um, and I kind of got it, you know, we'd come to meetings and we would talk about stuff and, <laughs> I, you know, I prayed, I gave, but I, I, um, I think it was the opportunity to go on a trip with 127 last summer, 2019, with um, the best team ever, as they're known. <laughs> I've um, heard that. That's what you guys call yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with all humility. Um, and this was an opportunity to go to Kenya to visit Tumaini and, mm -hmm. and Rose's, uh, the, the ministry there in Tumaini, the orphanage and school. Mm -hmm. And um, and my daughter was dying to go, my <laughs> oldest, Noemi, who would love to be on this podcast and talk all about it. But um, so we, um, and, and I think that was, I, I was going because I know it's important as a board member to kind of see what do we really do here? Yeah. <laughs> Which Check I, it off your checkbox list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also knew like everybody else on the board had gone, I think. And uh, so we would talk just second nature about the ministries that 127 supports. And, and I got it and I, I met some here stateside, but mm -hmm. um but my, um, you know, my expectation going was just to see firsthand what 127 does. Uh, there were some opportunities to teach while we were there, meet some adorable kids, see Rose on, on you know, in her home as opposed to her in, in mine, and uh, just take a cool trip with my daughter. Um, and I would say that all of those are just like little tiny nothings compared to <laughs> the reality of the experience. It just, yeah, it was, uh, it was an incredible, it was an incredible experience. Can you elaborate a little more on key memories, pivotal moments, and what God was teaching you through your time in Kenya? Well, so a uh, few things. Um, <laughs> one is, um, you know, you understand James one twenty seven. you know, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I've read that passage a number of times, um, countless times, but I had never really seen the widow in that passage. I think I'd always just thought about the orphan. And so you sort of see that in us fostering and wanting to adopt. And um, I had never appreciated the importance of visiting. I remember somebody asked me like, aren't there enough orphans to serve here that you don't have to go to Kenya? But I mean, that's the only way you can really see and touch and smell and know and rub shoulders and hear is, is visiting. And then that phrase in their affliction, um, which is again, something that you can understand intellectually, but, 
uh, until you're there, um, you don't really appreciate what the Lord might have in mind with that. So I, I think there are some certain passages of scripture that you can't fully understand until the Lord gives you a particular experience. I would say that's true of, of that passage for me in terms of the reality of what happened. I mean, there were, all right, here are a few things. So <laughs> I'm sitting, we, we, uh, we're sitting in church and it's toward the end of the week. So we had gone to Kenya and our, our kind of mission of this trip, 10 day trip or give or take was to encourage some of the staff at Tumaini. So we were going to work with the students, the kids and put on a whole day event, uh, appreciation day and involving prayer and notes and feeding. And I mean, all kinds of really cool stuff. Don't certificates. Forget the certificates. Yeah. Oh, and, and shoes and, and gifts. <laughs> monetary, get all, all kinds of stuff, just a, just in every way we were going to encourage them. And, um, and so we spent that time there. I'll talk a little bit in a few minutes about some of the other things that happened unexpectedly in addition to that, but just sitting there and realizing like, there's this wonderful ministry here. These kids are so like joyous in the simplest of circumstances. And, I have nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> like this is, we worship a huge sovereign God who is at work all over the world in ways just like this. And here he is kind to give me the privilege to taste and see that the Lord is good, you know? Yeah, um, awesome. So that was something I didn't see that coming. <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't know what joy looked like. Um, real joy in a way uh, like, I don't know, you, you go thinking that you're, you've got something to provide and then you realize how quickly you realize quickly how these, you know, the vulnerable are ministering to you in ways that are just, you just can't anticipate. Um, yeah, probably uh, more than you're able to minister to them. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, I, you know, like I said, I thought it'd be a great trip with my daughter, the thing that was, um, more striking was we, we went, you know, father, daughter, although she told me in advance, dad, I'm just <laughs> knowing me there. You're a show there. Okay. Um, and keep uh, it cool. <laughs> yeah. But when we got there, we both were equally ignorant about everything there and what we would experience. So it was a, a level playing field. And, um, and then you're slowly kind of taking it all in. You're learning a new team. You're learning a new situation. You're trying to step in and just see what little bit you can do to be helpful this week. And I started seeing certain gifts she has shine, certain gifts I have that are not the same as hers, ways that she's ministering, ways I could never do, and maybe vice versa. But we were, it was, it was relating to each other as like brother and sister, not so much father and daughter. Couldn't have expected that. And then never could have expected bonding with this team of strangers um, <laughs> who, uh, yeah, we were flying into Kiss Kissimu. Yeah, Kasumu. Kasumu, thank mm -hmm. you. Um, which is like the nearest airport to Tamani, another what, two hour bus ride or something from there. But as we're flying in, I got my headphones on and uh, what a beautiful name is on. And I'm just thinking like, there is no reason for the 10 of us to be together, except the name of Christ flying all the way out here and going and serving together the way we are. And then in his providence, the Lord 
put that on the bus radio as we're driving everybody's bus out in the singing. It becomes like the soundtrack of the trip. So that is great. Yeah. I've heard that story with it playing on the bus. I'm like, that's not a typical Kenyan bus rate or song that's played on the radio. So I, know. I think that was a divine appointment there. <laughs> You've talked a little bit about how your team was able to walk alongside of Rose, our local leader, and serve widows in the community. I would love for you just to expand on this a little bit and maybe share some stories of impact from your time of working with widows in Kenya. Yeah. Yeah, there were there were a number of key memories. Um, one of the biggest, I think, not just for me, but our, our team, was this unexpected experience we had going and visiting uh, widows who lived live, live in the community around Tumaini. So some within a short bus ride, some we had to drive bumpy, muddy roads, park, and then walk another half mile or mile to their, their small, their small, um, huts. Um, but it was, um, that was spiritually for me, that was probably the highlight of the trip. And that's saying a lot because there's so many, but, um, it, uh, the widows in the community are, are on Rose's heart and you could see it. They, they've got, they really have nothing. They live in these little one and two room huts. I don't know how else to describe it. Mud huts. Yeah. And um, they live so far out of town that they have no means of transformation, transportation to get there. They might, they might have food that they can grow. They might just maybe the care of this impoverished community around them can care for them. Otherwise, they just they go without. And um, and so uh, what we learned there was um, uh, when a spouse dies, they bury that spouse. The tradition, at least locally there, is they bury the spouse with the family mattress. Um, and so if you're a poor widow the notion that you're going to save enough money to replace that mattress is like unthinkable. So here we are, we had been preparing the night before and the days before to go do this thing that I didn't really understand what we were doing. I mean, intellectually, yes, but again, until you see it, um, we were putting together bags of food and oil and soap and these things. And then also we had this truck of mattresses and we're taking them one by one. And we, we, um, Rose, we go unannounced because had we announced that we were coming a day before, they would have spent what little they had to be hospitable, which is, uh, think about that as uh, an encouragement. But um, she she would talk in Swahili and then she would translate. And I mean, there are just no words to describe what what was happening here. Like there was in one case, a widow said, tonight I sleep. Um her husband had died 14 years ago prior, and she hadn't slept on a mattress since. Um, there was a there was another one that was hugging the blanket we gave her, yelling um, or saying "Beridi sana," which uh, means it is very cold. So she had known a number of cold nights. Um, there was a there was another woman who who, who cried out like, I will praise the Lord forever. Um, because she had talked about her loneliness, the cold nights and the, just the long, long prayers for relief. And here the Lord was using little old us, you know, think probably more highly of ourselves than we ought. Here we are just 
being the Lord's hands and feet. I mean, there were just so many situations like an 80 year old woman jumping around like a little girl, just saying, I will praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you. So it was, that was, that was stunning. Just seeing how the Lord was using Rose's ministry and giving us a front row seat to care for these, these sweet, beautiful women who, um, who are, who don't look like much to man's eyes, but are just giants in their faith in the Lord. I love that. And I love that they weren't thanking you for the mattress. They were thanking God. Amen. (laughs) For the mattress. Yes. Yes. Amen. Yeah. And that's really why, I mean, the gospel's got to say central, you know, it's, um, keeping the gospel central means it's not about getting a mattress that will perish in another few years to widows. It is going there and announcing in whose name we come and pointing them to King Jesus. He's the only one that can bring not just near-term relief, but eternal relief and eternal salvation. And that's what that's one of the things I love about 127. I really wouldn't want to give so much of time and treasure to a ministry that didn't do that. You know, there's lots of causes that people can give to, the non-Christians give to, and praise the Lord for that. But Christians should give to things that only Christians would give to. And we're about the gospel and the gospel expressed in the care of orphans and widows and their affliction and helping other believers do that, to see it and then to push out out of their comfort zone, maybe into new area that they don't really know anything about. And that's actually okay. I think I may have derailed us a little bit earlier in the interview. We skipped over your personal testimony. (laughs) I'd love for you to share with us a little bit about your upbringing and how you became a believer. So can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I wasn't raised in a Christian household, uh, so I I was raised um, Hindu, and uh, it wasn't until my late 20s that I first heard the gospel. Um, I was working in D.C., and a friend, um, my friend Hunter, uh, after about a yeah, about a year and a half, he he shared the gospel with me. Actually, he probably shared it to me a number of times before that, but I just didn't have ears to hear. Or I was just blind as a bat. And um, he invited me to study the book of Mark over lunch, which was weird. And I can only explain it as, you know, the Lord's call on my life and moving in my heart before I was asking, because I said yes. And Something you normally would have said yes to. <laughs> no, I lived my 20s like like the movies, you know, like that's what was raising some of my thoughts there. And um, uh, and reading Mark that I remember reading uh, and reading ahead of wherever we were supposed to read for the, the lunch the next day. I just remember finding Jesus so attractive. So like I, we, we actually met for lunch and I said, Hunter, it almost seems like like this could have happened. Is this stuff true? And, um, and it just, because that my, my experience with religion was it's like, whatever you want to believe you believe. And, um, so I started reading and studying. I was, I was hooked and, and, uh, I kind of, I believed in a, I believed that there was a God, I believed there was a creator. Um, the, the notion that we were all fallen, that we're sinners, that wasn't very hard for me to, uh, believe. I, I kind of, I knew that pretty quickly. I think it was, who is Jesus? And was he who he said he was? Because if he was who he said he was, why didn't, 
why hadn't anybody told me about him? And why, why aren't the history books books just full of Jesus? Um, and that he's the, uh, that, that faith in Christ is the only way to salvation. So that took the Lord took about six months working on my heart there until I, I couldn't find any other way, but like I just studied Jesus and then worked my way out and, uh, and gave my life to following him about 18 years ago. We were, Michelle and I were both baptized October 4th, 20, 2002. Not that that was the day we were saved or anything like that. But um, We talk a lot about the fact that we work with local leaders. So one thing you said just about Rose's heart for the community and not only for the school and the home that are right there, but uh, it extends out. So um, I guess just seeing Rose in action, were there things that week where you can just give a testimony of her faithfulness for people that haven't had a chance to meet her or to see the work that she's doing. Oh yeah. <laughs> Mama Rose is in charge there, <laughs> but she is such a quiet, humble and revered, um, person, uh, there. She, she loves the Lord. We, we had this amazing extended conversation about, um, prayer and how she wakes up in the, you know, two, three in the morning and just will pray for hours, just her and the Lord, or occasionally she's trying to get time away for extended time of fasting and prayer. I was, I was, I was amazed that here I am 30,000 miles away from home and we're talking about the same God working in these amazing ways. And we can share truth that, uh, from the same book, you know, the Lord's kindness to give it to us, but it, her care for those kids, um, Wow. I mean, she really loves each and every one of them and um, is always finding ways to say yes. Uh, and somehow the Lord continues to provide just enough and she just trusts him to provide. And in doing so demonstrates to all those, the staff and the children who we worship, who we depend on and um, you know, where our bread comes from. Um, so she's, she's very faithful to point them point all of uh, everyone to Christ in her words and deeds and teaching. And, and you can see it too. Like each night we'd have an evening of devotion and singing and these kids, I'm telling you, you've never experienced joyful worship until you've, you've sung and, and uh, worshiped with those kids. Yeah. I say they bring the, this, idea of the joy of the Lord being our strength has a whole new meaning when you see oh. these kids jumping around. So, yeah. Yeah. And I just think about, I was convicted how much of my quote unquote joy seems to be linked to material and circumstantial, um, events and, and things. And here these kids are, you know, that they get, based on the circumstances they're sometimes removed from, or they're brought here, they're, they're, um, uh, there was one child that was just left in a sugarcane field and now their wives have such worth, but they, they might have just a pair of shoes for the year or a uniform for the year or, you know, one or two pairs of clothes. And I, I've never seen like a joyous smile and a, and the most loving hug and, I mean, they just taught us way more than we could ever give to them. It was, it, you go thinking that you've got something and, and you come back thinking like, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. It was, it was a, it was a game changer. 
Yeah, I think that's a great place to end the conversation. So thanks so much for joining us today, Ashok. And um, yeah, it's exciting to hear just how God has continued to bring you into circumstances to grow your faith and um, see what he has and the eyes that he has for the rest of the world. Hey, and thank you. Thank you for your leadership at this organization and for building the team that you have. It's amazing how the Lord uses um humble people to do such great, great things. And, uh, unlikely so people is what I like. Unlike, to say. <laughs> there you go. Unlikely, but it's just, uh, uh, the team is, is fantastic. And, uh, we are just thrilled to be part of this. Yeah. Thanks so much, Ashok. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We want to create content that challenges, inspires, and encourages people to join in the fight of caring for the vulnerable. We'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us by emailing simply127 at 127worldwide.org or visit our website, 127worldwide.org forward slash simply127. 